Hello, I'm Justin Belguarini, CEO and founder of Live to Perform, and you are listening to the Warrior Artist Podcast. Today's episode is titled, We've Got Magic to Do, Just for You. Kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. As artists, we work years, decades, sometimes our entire lives honing our craft, trying to become masters. And yet it's all for moments, for a great audition, for a great performance, for a great run in a show. But what happens in between those moments? We are doing battle every single day with ourselves and with the industry and with all the things going on in our lives. But the real question is, how do we prepare our minds, our spirits, our bodies, and our business sense to do battle and to win on the battlefield of our artistry? The Warrior Artist Podcast answers those questions and a whole lot more. I'm Justin Belguarini, and you're listening to The Warrior Artist Podcast. All right, so last night I was at the birthday party for a cousin of mine. Uh, It was at Cipriani's in New York, New York, New York, New York, Manhattan, a beautiful restaurant. And my cousin is Samuel L. Jackson. Now he's not my direct cousin. He's actually married to my cousin, LaTanya Richardson Jackson, who's also a very highly regarded actor, performer, entertainer, teacher, and uh, all around general badass. But I was invited to this party and I went with my dad and literally all of the black royalty (laughs) Hollywood folks, not everyone, but I mean, there were so many people there that I grew up loving and knowing people I have met, people I haven't met yet. Um, Just to drop some names on you, there was Magic Johnson, Whoopi Goldberg, Sugar Ray Leonard, Holly Robinson, Pete, uh, Anne Hathaway was there, uh, Lucy Liu was there, Questlove was the DJ, Stevie Wonder performed, of course Sam was there, uh, and gosh, Spike Lee was there, Russell Simmons was there, George Lucas was there, like, the Roth family, who, if you know anything about theater, and if you followed my advice to do some research on the who's who in, um, uh, the New York, uh, Broadway theater scene, uh, they were there, uh, at least the parents were anyway, it was a huge, awesome bash. And there were so many of my family members there that I have not seen in a very long time or haven't even met that are on my father's side who are from the South, uh, mostly Georgia and Mississippi and the like. But it was really, it was really awesome. And the reason why I tell you about it is because it relates to to what we have to talk about today. Um, Sam is someone who is not unlike what you see on the screen, whether it be in his television commercials or in the movies or TV shows that he's done, uh, he's not um, unkind like some of the characters he can play, but he is certainly very direct. Magic Johnson got up and gave a little speech at this party and he said, you know, Sam, if there's one thing that I wish I could be, it's as direct as you are. There is 
no one I know who can use the MF word like you. And so direct. And what he means is that Sam does not suffer fools gladly or foolishness gladly. Sam is very direct. He'll tell you exactly how he feels. He doesn't feel like he needs to please you or anybody else. He's very kind. He's funny. He's a great guy, but he's not going to go out of his way to people please um, like <laughs> pretty much everybody else does. So it was interesting because it was his birthday party. He's turning 70. Can you believe that? He looks great for 70. And I watched so many people, family, friends, come up to him and take pictures with him. And there were people who were friends and family of the family and friends uh, who he didn't know. And it was very interesting, a dynamic I saw. There would be friends that would come up to him and then have a conversation and they'd be talking to him and he'd be laughing and carrying on and having a great time. And then there were other people who may or may not have been friends who would come up and say a few words and then just stand there and wait for Sam to say something and would, would ask in, in essence would ask this man at his own birthday party, who's literally only able to sit down and eat for a few moments because everybody is at him wishing him happy birthday. I mean, there is, there's so many people, producers and agents and other actors, all these people around him here for him, taking pictures with him. And yet there are people that come up to him and came up to him who would just say, hey, happy birthday. And then they would stand there and kind of nod their heads and wait for Sam to carry the conversation. And I watched, because it was interesting, Sam would be like, all right, and he would move along. And he would not, he would not suffer that kind of foolishness. And it made me think of so many of the times in the past for me and so many times that I see and I hear about with my students and my clients now when they go into an audition room or when they go into a meeting, a sit down with a casting director or a producer or someone who can give them a job basically at some point, that they'll do the same exact thing. That they will walk into a room and they will make the people who are interviewing them, the people who are, can give them a job, carry the weight of the conversation, the weight of creating an experience or having a moment, you know? And so the reason why I bring that up and say, we've got magic to do just for you is the title of this is that we as performers, as people who are going in and basically selling our talents <laughs> and hoping someone will buy them, hawking our talents and hoping someone will buy them, we have got to create an experience. And when we do not create an experience, something that makes the people we are auditioning for, the people we are sitting down and talking to, the people we are basically asking for a job, have a good time and have an experience, if we don't carry the weight of conversation, the weight of trying to make it interesting for people who have 
other people like us coming to them all the time and asking them to carry the weight of the conversation, carry the weight of the experience, going in and apologizing to them, being unprepared, all those things that we have done in the past and that people still do nowadays. When we don't do that, we are in essence victims and we are victimizing ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I can't stand a victim someone who plays a victim. I think we all have a friend or a family member or someone we know who has constantly got a problem with something and it needs help and needs to be rescued, needs to be saved, needs to... Ugh. Disgusts me just thinking about it. And not to say that I'm holier than thou. I've been a victim. I have created a victim stance. You ask my wife. I'll victimize myself uh, you know, all the time in our relationship, or I, I used to, I don't do it nearly as much anymore. But the point is, is that, look, I've been there, done that. But when we shift our perspective a little bit, remember, because this is what this is about, we just get a bit of a different viewpoint. And instead of being a victim, and now there's different ways to be a victim. You don't have to say, oh, please rescue me. But there is, when you walk in the room, the audition room, and you start to perform, but then if you go, oh, I'm sorry, or oh, I, I'm sick, or oh, I've got making all these excuses, that immediately puts you in a victim position. And whether you know it or not, or they know it or not, the people on the other side of the table automatically have to take care of you. Some of them just don't care and it turns them off. Others are like, oh, no, it's okay, hey, look. And you're putting yourself in a position of, uh, of neediness and less than the people on the other side of the table and less than the people who come in and just deliver. Are you picking this up? Does this make sense to you? So, I have a training video that I'm putting out really soon and that you will certainly hear about. And in one of the, uh, one of the modules, one of the, the lessons I teach is don't ever, ever say you're sorry. Never, ever be sorry. Own all of your mistakes. Because when you can begin to do that, especially in an audition room, I mean, in life, yeah, great. But especially in an audition room, when you own your mistakes and you push through and you don't apologize, A, sometimes the people will not notice. Uh, now, of course, if there's a, uh, uh, a script that you have to say and you goof it up or a song where you mess up the lyrics, they're going to know because they've seen it 8,000 times before you walked in the door. Or they know it. <laughs> they wrote it, of course. But even if they do notice and you own your mistake... Instead of saying, I'm sorry, in essence, what you're going to do is instead of being a victim, when you own that mistake, let's say you flub a line in the song, God knows I've done it. I've repeated a verse because I couldn't remember the second verse. And then I get to the chorus and the bridge and I'm out and I'm good. But if you don't give it up, like, oh, I'm so sorry and stop or make some sort of face or shake your head, you know what you do. You know what you do, Right. If you don't do that and if you keep going, yes, the people will know that you messed up, but they will also know that unlike other people who have walked in the room, when and if you mess up, if they hire you, you will not fall apart on the stage. 
in essence, you're building trust. By messing up and not showing it and not being like, oh, I'm sorry, you're making yourself a victim in some sort of way, shape, or form, you're actually building more trust by messing up. But if you mess up correctly, <laughs> I know that sounds so ridiculous, but if you own that mistake, because guess what? We make them all the time on Broadway. We make them all the time in live situations on television and whatever other medium. And it, we keep going. That is the difference between the professionals and everybody else. The professionals can keep going and will keep plowing through. And most of the time, we don't even notice the mistakes. We as the audience don't notice the mistakes is what I mean. When I am up there, I can't tell you how many times I've messed up on Broadway in front of a live audience and forgotten something or switched something or whatnot, but I kept going and I kept doing it and nobody other than the people who have seen the show five or six, seven times know and they don't care. Even if they do know because it goes by them so quickly. So getting back to being in the audition room, Owning a mistake like that will show the people who you're auditioning for, the people you're interviewing for, that, oh, okay, they made a mistake, but you know what? They covered it really nicely and they kept going. And, and if I hadn't known, I wouldn't have known. And you know what? That that makes them stand out. I guess, uh, 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 uh-huh. All right. And, and on top of that, they'll probably make you do it again. Or you could ask to do it again and you'll get another shot at it and you'll get it right. You know what I mean? Because you'll know where you messed up and you won't do it again. So how do we stop ourselves from being victims, let's just say in the audition room, all right? Real quick, of course, preparation is key. Having everything memorized is always, always, always helpful. Yes, you can hold the pages in your hand just or put them in your back pocket just so you know that if, if all hell breaks loose, you can just whip it out and the people will understand on the other side of the table. That's one, preparation. Two, research. Not only do you want to research your character and do all the good homework that we're supposed to do as performers and actors, but you want to research the team, the people who you're auditioning for. And I'm going to come back around to why on that for a second, but find out who they are, what are the projects they've done. Number three, tell the truth. In a podcast, uh, one of the episodes before this, I talked about how to walk into an audition room and not immediately be branded as a liar. Tell the truth. Go back and listen to it if you haven't listened to it. I'm not sure if it's liar, liar, pants on fire or nerves. I think it's nerves. Not sure. But number four, have one or two topics in your back pocket, not literally, but figuratively, in your back pocket, in the back of your mind, that you can talk about. And this is where the research comes in handy. If you research the team, the producers, the director, the writer, the people who are going to be in the room, even if it's the casting director, and if they get into conversation with you, which may or may not happen, but it does. It does happen. Especially if they really are enjoying their time with you. Have one or two things to talk about that aren't about you. But about what they are doing. If you, you've done the research on the casting director and they've cast one of your most favorite shows, you say, oh my goodness, oh, hey, in conversation, if it comes up, I just want to say, I 
I think you no, you can't say it like that. I think you did a great job. But I absolutely love Hamilton, and I think it's just so awesome that you cast that. That must have been really, really hard to do. They'll be like, oh yeah, or whatever. Don't kiss up to them, because that's the way it sounded at first. That's why I correct myself. But have a little one or two things to talk about, just in case, because it just makes the makes you more human, more alive, because so many people come in there so stiff, and they think, think, think they have to pretend to be someone else that they're not, and come in and be happy, and, and they're just lying the entire time. And if the casting director, or the director, or the producer, or whomever is in there, goes to talk to you, even if it's just to get a little feel for who you are, if they like something, but they're like, well, I want to see what this person is like when they're not singing, or dancing, or acting, then you can have a little something to talk about and just be you because that's all they want to see, right? So that was four. Have one or two topics. Number five in the final, never, ever, 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 ever apologize for anything in the audition room. You will go to music theater hell for that. I'll never forget when one of my choir directors, I think we, as a choir, breathed in the middle of a phrase and he said nope he stopped us stopped the music stopped everything he said, do not breathe there you will go to choral hell for that it's a very judeo-christian way of looking at things but if there is a music theater hell if there's a hell in general if you begin to apologize for things if you apologize you will be not you won't go there like some punishment you will be in music theater hell because that is music theater hell so one, preparation, memorize, be ready. Duh, of course, I know. But look, these are all the basics. When we get real good at the basics, the, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The pros make the easy things look hard and the hard things look easy. The pros make the easy things look hard and the hard things look easy. Memorize it. Prep. Two, research the team find out who they are and what other projects they have done just so you know and are aware you should know the who's who anyway number three when you walk in the room tell the truth if you're nervous let them know that you're nervous it's fine don't pretend like you're not nervous say yes i'm a little nervous right now but i'm excited to be doing this i love this role and i'm gonna give you the best i got it's that simple you will not be branded a liar subconsciously or consciously by the people you're auditioning for when you walk in the door if you just tell them the truth, when they ask you how you are, because they always do. And if you feel great, tell them you feel great. Whatever it is, just tell them the truth. Number four, have one or two topics that aren't all about you that you can talk about when you walk in the room, if they ask you about stuff. If they're interested in having a conversation they usually will not but if they do you will be prepared and you will stand out in a good way from the 3,000 other people who are going to come in that day and number five finally never ever apologize say i'm sorry shake your head and smile in the middle of a song because you messed something up now you know what i'm talking about never ever ever do it because you immediately knock yourself down many, many, many pegs and throw yourself in the pile with all the other people who come into that room and who apologize. 
and you say, I'm sorry, and you make yourself into a victim. Don't be a victim. It ain't cute. Nobody wants to see it. <laughs> so that's all I got for you today. Make it a great one. I'm Justin Belguarini, and you have been listening to the Warrior Artist Podcast. Don't be a victim. Please. Please don't be a victim.